Welcome to the One Life Podcast. Being a business owner is potentially the best path to build personal wealth. However, embarking on an opportunity, whether full-time or as a side hustle, is incredibly tough. I believe that understanding finances is integral to the success of your business. The purpose of this podcast is to empower you to understand, manage and grow your business finances and therefore your personal wealth. I invite you to join me every Friday as I share insights and actionable strategies to make your business serve you rather than you serve your business. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Well, welcome to episode 24 of the One Life Business Podcast. I hope you're well and you're looking after yourself. My name's Andrew Wilson and I'm a chartered accountant by trade. This podcast is about financial empowerment, your financial empowerment, and specifically the financial empowerment that you'll obtain by understanding, controlling and growing your business finances. And in turn... As you grow your business finances, you can divert more money away from your business and into your own personal coffers. In the process, accelerate your journey to your own personal financial independence. This podcast is in association with the Always Free podcast and the Always Free show, both of which are presented by Jason Greystone. If you haven't listened to either before, I highly suggest doing so. And for your information, this week was the 100th episode of Jason's podcast, the Always Free podcast. Jason has thousands of listeners every week to both the podcast and the show, and he's got over 50,000 followers on Instagram. He is well worth following because he found financial independence in his mid to late 20s. So this week, I'd like to speak to you about the difference between trading in your business as a sole trader or as a limited company. And there are eight considerations that I'd like to go through with you. And look, I've been through this many times with people that are starting up in business, but also those that have been in business for a number of years and they're growing. So let's go through these. The first consideration is your personal liability. This is quite an important one to start with because as a limited company, it's a separate legal entity from you as the owner. And a limited company gives you something called limited liability. So if the company wasn't able to pay its bills and wasn't able to trade, then you personally would not be liable to pay those bills. Your personal financial liability is limited. Hence the words limited liability. It's restricted to just the amount that you invested in the business, the amount you paid into the company. And as long as you don't haven't provided any personal guarantees for loans, for example, then actually the grand total of your liability is what you paid into the business. As a sole trader, it's completely different. You don't have that level of protection. Sole traders do not have a separate legal entity, which means you have unlimited liability. If the business has a significant debt and it couldn't be paid from business funds, then you would be personally liable and could be at risk of potentially losing some savings or even your home. Often, high-risk industries like builders, they avoid being personally liable and therefore they incorporate from day one, they like to incorporate a company to protect themselves. But that's not the only industry that, uh, that looks to do that. The second consideration is perception. Maybe you starting out in business, you don't want to present to people and to your clients and your customers that you're on your own and you're a sole trader. 
Maybe you want to present that you're a limited company with other people, employees, other directors potentially, and you've got controls and systems in place. The perception in certain industries can be really, really important. And a limited company can be perceived as being more legitimate. And in fact, in certain industries and certain companies, they simply won't employ the services of sole traders. So the third consideration is turnover. Not always, but generally, sole traders turn over and their sales are less than limited companies. When your sales are low, it's quicker, easier and cheaper to be a sole trader than a limited company. Quite often what you find is people have started trading, started earning money, they've been doing it for six to nine months and then they come to see you as an accountant and say, well, how should I set up? You've already set up as a sole trader effectively. Let's talk about what the right structure for you is. And that's a really important conversation to have before you start trading. Quite often, a sole trader will consider becoming a limited company when the sole trader hits the VAT reg limit. And the VAT registration limit is £85,000 in turnover. The fourth consideration is responsibilities. Now, as a sole trader, your only responsibility is to file an annual personal tax return with revenue and customs. As a limited company director, you have a number of legal duties. I'll include the link in the episode notes showing what those are, and you can download that and have a read of that. Now, the responsibilities I want to mention to you guys today is that you have to file a year-end set of accounts at Company's House, and you also have the responsibility to file a corporation tax return. The fifth consideration is your money. And as a sole trader, the business is you. All sales are paid into your personal bank account or maybe you've opened up a separate bank account just for your sole trader business. That's fine, you can do that, but it's still yours personally. The money and the profits are yours and you have to file a tax return at the end of the year. As a limited company director, it's completely different. Earlier I spoke about the company being a separate legal entity. So all of the monies earned through the business and all profits are the company's. For you personally to get money out of the business, it either needs to be paid via a payroll, i.e. salary, or you can draw it as a dividend. The beauty of doing that through a limited company is you decide when you draw the money and therefore pay tax on it. The takeaway from this is that monies are paid into a company bank account because it's the company's money, not yours. And that's where lots of business owners, especially those that move from being a sole trader to a limited company, struggle. They feel like the money is theirs. Well, unfortunately, until you draw it from the business, it just isn't. The sixth consideration is tax. And I kind of want to go, dun, 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 you know, I want a sound effect over this. I'll not do it. But tax is obviously important to everyone. And as you hear from business owners, it doesn't matter if you're a sole trader, a limited company, no one wants to pay tax. Or certainly they don't want to pay too much tax. As a sole trader, as I've already mentioned, you'll only have to file a personal tax return and pay personal tax on the profit earned. Whereas a limited company has to file a corporation tax return and pays corporation tax at a percentage, currently 19%, on the business profits. And that's before you personally have actually taken a penny out of the business. To get your money out, as I mentioned, it has to be paid either through payroll and the business and the business has to file a weekly or a monthly real-time information, RTI, return with HM Revenue and Customs. And it has to pay tax and national insurance as is due. 
But lastly, the director will also still have to file a personal tax return. So as you can see, there's a lot more responsibilities tax-wise with a limited company. The seventh consideration is accountancy charges. I think you've got to bear in mind that I'm only going to really refer to standard accountancy charges for compliance work, okay? This isn't for ad hoc advice or for any extra help that your accountants may be providing to you. So that being said, a sole trader preparing just a personal tax return is a few hundred pounds. For a limited company, you're going to have a lot more responsibilities, as mentioned. You'll have a formal set of accounts that your accountants have to prepare for you and they need to be filed at company's house. You'll have a corporation tax return that needs to be prepared and that needs to be filed with HM Revenue and Customs. Other than that, you're still going to have the personal tax return that has to be filed again with Revenue and Customs and as a director, that's what needs to happen. Also bear in mind that your accountants are gonna be dealing with your payroll and there's some other compliance bits that accountants will do for you. And for those services, you're probably talking post a thousand pounds. Depending on the size of the business, the turnover and the work that the accountants are doing, that can be, it can be a lot more than that. That gives you a gauge, doesn't it? We're talking about a few hundred to over a thousand. And that's the difference between a sole trader to a limited company. Now, the eighth consideration is rarely mentioned, but I think it's important to do, and it's your mortgage. Now, you may not be expecting me to talk about this, but believe me, it does come up and it does cause people massive problems. If it hasn't been considered, it can cause a problem. As a sole trader, high street lenders are much less likely to lend to you than if you're a limited company director and you're going to be paid through payroll. Bear in mind that if you're looking to renegotiate your current mortgage or you're looking to move and get a new mortgage, you may struggle within the first three years, whether you're a sole trader or a limited company director, to be honest. High street lenders are more likely, though, to lend when you're being paid through a payroll, exactly the same way as if you were in a job and you were being paid through payroll historically, okay? They will... Just as a word of caution, they will, however, want to see your limited company accounts for the last three years. So you've got to be able to produce that. Those are the, the eight considerations between being a sole trader and a limited company. And quite often I find I'm speaking to people, they want to jump straight into being a limited company. But actually, the question I find I'm asking them is, do you need to? Is this a process? Do you want to grow the business over a bit of time and then become a limited company? I'll put a link below with the list of considerations that you can print out if you want to. I hope this has been of some value to you. And if you're considering the difference between the two, you've, uh, you've been able to glean a bit of information from it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. And I will catch up with you next week. Take care.